We need a new dietary goals for the United States. We need a government that will stand up and tell the truth to the people. We need a society that will not tolerate uncivilized behavior like letting our children be sick. You do not want physicians as your best friends. You don't want your calendar littered with doctor's appointments. Look at you know your parents, your grandparents, the people around you. Once they pass 30 or 40 years old, I mean, they may not get all get heart disease, but if they don't have heart disease, they're fat or they've got a stroke or they've had cancer or, mm -hmm. or they've got constipation. Or, I mean, they're all sick. <laughs> Military be sick and our poor people be sick and our workers be sick because of the diet of kings and queens. Every doctor should know this. The reason people are sick is because they eat the high-protein, high-fat, high-cholesterol, immune-stimulating, autoimmune-causing, rich Western diet, and that we can cure our patients by feeding them rice, corn, potatoes, beans, peas, lentils. On oatmeal for breakfast, hash brown potatoes. For lunch, you need to have bean soup, pea soup, lentil soup. For dinner, you have bean burritos, pasta, marinara, sauce, mushu, vegetables, and rice. You say, I can do that! Heart disease, prostate cancer, colon cancer, breast cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? All successful, large populations of people in all of recorded history have lived on starch-based diets. Stop the liars, stop the polluters, stop the cheaters. People distort what you say, they distort the truth. Those of you who know me know exactly what Mary and I have recommended for 40 years, which is in all of our books, all of our 13 books say the exact same thing. Every public statement that I've ever made has been exactly the same. Uh, what we teach is a diet based on starch. Starch, yeah, starch. I'm Dr. John McDougall. I'm Dr. McDougall. Dr. John McDougall. Dr. John McDougall. Dr. McDougall. Dr. McDougall. John McDougall is the reason that we're all here this weekend. I've been in this business for 44 years. And I'm the luckiest doctor in the world because my patients get well. And anyone who says differently is distorting my message. The facts are absolutely clear, but there's a blindfold here and they lie about it. And that blindfold is full of dollar bills because that's how you make the money. And they should be ashamed of themselves. It's, it's up to you. Nobody's gonna come and save you with mm -hmm. early detection or treatments. These things are not good with few exceptions. Mm -hmm. You're gonna save yourself by your diet and lifestyle. We shouldn't be going and getting mammograms wow. and, and prostate blood tests on people. We should mm -hmm. tell them not to eat that high fat, high animal product, highly contaminated diet. But that's not where the money is. At age 18, it kind of came together with a pretty dramatic event. I had a massive stroke which paralyzed the entire left side of my body. And that put me in the medical business. And I spent the next two years studying in the scientific library, in the medical library, next to Queens Medical Center, to see whether anybody else had made this observation. From my lips to my hips, the fat you eat is the fat you wear. I knew at that point what caused most diseases. People who live on starch, rice, corn, potatoes, sweet potatoes, are thin, healthy, hearty, young-looking. We have truth. We have success. But unless we fix the food, it's game over because the major cause of global destruction is the livestock industry. That's what the meat and the dairy industry have accomplished so far. The world is worth saving, and the major step that we must take right now is to change our source of calories. I'll get down and dirty with you. Because change is coming. There's no question about that. There are some serious distractions that are going on. I'm a street fighter. That will cause planet Earth to burn in hell. I, you know, I'll do whatever I can to save your children. You start with forks over knives to save the environment. Then you watch conspiracy. And even these days to save 
the animals. And then you watch uh, earthlings. Very simple. And that will give us enough breathing room so we can fix the other problems so that my grandchildren will be able to have a life and a future. Do you think change is happening quickly enough? Change is not happening quickly enough, no question about it. Uh, at my age, you know, I'm a grandfather, I've had a great life, but I have children and grandchildren. And uh, unless we have a rebellion, a revolution, that's what we need. You know, we need the truth to get out and for people to stand up and have some propositions written for the various states in the United States or the United States or the United Kingdom or Germany or somebody takes a legal action against these people like they have against the tobacco and alcohol industries. Unless that happens and happens quickly, which I don't really see happening, you know, then we're not going to see the change. But it did happen with big tobacco. But big food, watch what happened to big tobacco. And they said that will never happen to us. And so far they're right. They have fought with every dollar, with every lobbyist, with every advertisement, with every lie that they could possibly gather together to make sure that they didn't follow in the footsteps of big tobacco. That's what big food has done. What are the main barriers to the movement? Uh, the, there is one barrier to the movement, and that's money. It's not many barriers. It's one barrier. Uh, cash is king. That's what rules everything that's done, is uh, people's greed and the need to make a profit. And so the livestock industry, the meat and dairy industry, they're out there trying to sell products. They don't give a darn whether you know, it destroys the planet. Or, I, can't, I can't say they'll really care. But their primary goal is to sell more cheese to the Chinese. <laughs> uh, so it's just money. You know, your, your surgeons and your doctors in England are uh, motivated to make money. And so they're not going to go for the food thing because that doesn't make money. They're going to go for the heart surgery and the diabetic pill treatment. And, uh, you know, the standard way of generating money as a medical business does. Now, I realize in the United Kingdom you have a national health service, but still, you know, somewhere along the line is that, uh, is that profit motive that's driving us in the wrong direction. You've been formidable and outspoken about low-carb doctors. Mm -hmm. I I want to talk about their motives. Do you believe these people have a lack of integrity or are they just misinformed? Well, this is a good question. Why is the low-carb movement, uh, why is it popular? You know, it was popular when I was a young man through the Atkins approach. And, uh, you know, I was fighting for a whole different approach. It was high starch, high carbohydrate diet. And we won back in the 1970s. And I thought that the, the low-carb, in other words, the high meat, high dairy, high oil diet, movement would never come back again because the science was so clear. But it did come back. Atkins came back. Uh, and some of his followers, like uh, uh, William Davis, who wrote The Wheat Belly. And by the way, William Davis has a wheat belly. Just take a look at him. And uh, uh, David Pohlmeiter, I didn't say his name exactly correctly, but he wrote the book The Grain Brain. You know, trying to, these, these people are just mimics of the Atkins diet. They're teaching uh, ketosis-producing diets. They talk about the glory of ketosis. They talk about, similar to what Atkins used to teach, uh, bacon, butter, and breed. Uh, but they camouflage it so that you don't see it. Now, you ask me what the motivation is for the people. 
let's just assume they're trying to do some good. Uh, let's also consider the possibility that uh, uh, that the meat, dairy, and egg and fish industries are very pleased with their message. I'm not claiming any direct connection, but I think it's uh, there's there's no doubt that the livestock industry is very pleased with the low carb message. Uh, maybe another problem is the media. You know, the, the media loves to have attention gathering headlines, so they can come out with articles like Time Magazine in 2014, where they say butter is back and the experts were all wrong. You see articles like that in, in your UK newspapers too. Is the experts wrong? You have actually, you have a guy named Asim Mahaltra in Britain, who's a, who I've labeled the Dr. Lard of the United Kingdom. We have a Dr. Lard over here by the name of Ron Krauss. But you guys got your own Dr. Lard. Uh, it grabs headlines. You know, people want to see that uh, there's another answer out there. They're not, they're not overweight and sick uh, because they're eating meat and dairy. They want to hear that butter and pepperoni pizza is good for you. So if you can smack those headlines in the paper, which they do, your UK Daily News and you know, your other newspapers and our Wall Street Journal and, and the New York Times and so on, they can get these uh, uh, smashing headlines. And it sells newspapers, sells media. I think that's another reason. Uh, but, you know, people love to hear new, good news about their bad habits. So I, I don't know what the real motivation of people who tell uh, dangerous, dishonest messages are. But what they're saying is dangerous and dishonest. And you can look at it from the cruelty of animals point of view, from the environmental point of view, from the human health point of view. Any viewpoint you want to look at it, it's dangerous, dishonest, wrong, and harmful, but they get away with it. So, Can you talk about the health conference that you were kicked out of this year? And do you think oh, that is related I, to the, the, the motives that, that we're talking about? Uh, I'm kind of unique in the fact that uh, I don't seem to be able to make anybody happy. I was invited to the Obesity Medicine Conference, which was a medical doctor conference in April of 2016. And because I wanted to be very frank about what I believe, uh, they couldn't deal with my uh, my bluntness behavior. Do you feel like you cut off your nose despite your face in that situation? I could have. Being uh, fired from the Obesity Medicine Conference, I may have done more harm than good, but I don't think so. Uh, I think somebody needed to stand up to the Obesity Medicine Conference, which are, really is a conference-supported uh, by the drug industry and the bariatric surgery industry, uh, they, somebody needed to stand up to the doctors, my colleagues, and say, look, you guys are wrong uh, that are believing in low-carb diets, and there's a right way to do things. You shouldn't be doing all this bariatric surgery and all these, those, these pills. Uh, and they wouldn't let me do that. And uh, I told them, well, okay, I'll give a, a less direct uh, a, a presentation, and they wouldn't accept that either. And so I said, you got three choices. You can uh, either allow me to give my slide presentation as I want it, direct and uh, to the point. I said, I'll give you a, a good lecture that doesn't offend anybody. I said, or you can fire me. So they fired me. But I do also want to point out that I got fired from the vegan uh, worldwide medical conference in July of this year, 2016. 
And the reason I got fired from that conference is I make a big point of me not being vegan. And uh, whether I am or not, uh, the point is I, I do follow a vegan diet very strictly. But I make the point that I'm not vegan because, uh, you know, I want to help people. I tell people I eat turkey every other Thanksgiving. Now, nobody knows if I do or don't, but I tell people that. And the reason is there, there are so many vegans well-intentioned, well-intentioned for saving the world and slowing down animal cruelty. I mean, they're well-intentioned people, but too many vegans for environmental or animal rights issues are unhealthy themselves. They're overweight, sickly looking. And uh, it, it doesn't help them to convey their message to other people when they look so terrible. So that's why I make a point that I'm not a vegan. I am a, a person who eats primarily starch with fruits and vegetables. And uh, But you, you do care about the, the welfare and the rights of animals, but it's the label you don't like. I very much care about the welfare of the earth and the animals. But... If you are a vegan and you only understand that that part of the issue and you don't understand uh, how to get your own self healthy and trim, then you're not going to be able to do the job that you and I want you to do, which is get to, to get people to stop eating the animals and start living on rice, corn, potatoes, and so on. So what I tell folks, and they get mad at me, that's why I got fired from the Vegan World Summit this July, uh, is uh, I tell people that I eat turkey every other Thanksgiving so that they will you know, start to rethink their whole diet and they can become good messengers because they're not right now. Vegans are, and I'm, and I'm generalizing, but too many well-intentioned vegans are missing the point and the turkey and I suffer every other Thanksgiving in order to get that point across to the vegans so that they can become what they need to be, which is world saviors. Do you think the dietary guidelines should take into account environmental and uh, animal rights issues, or should it just be about health? Which dietary guidelines are you talking uh, about? The U.S. dietary guidelines. Well, the U.S. dietary guidelines are uh, put out by the uh, Human Health and Service or, uh, Department and also the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, and uh, particularly the United States Department of Agriculture, uh, they have a, a schizophrenic job. Uh, they're, what do you mean by that, schizophrenic? <laughs> That's quite well, a strong word. <laughs> yeah, the, the USDA has a job. Uh, they're, they're, one of their primary jobs is taking care of agribusiness. So they're obligated to make sure that the dairy farmers and the beef producers and so on have a good livelihood. But they're also obligated to help the citizens of the U.S., and it's, it's so contradictory to help the industries that are killing and fattening the people of the United States, and on the other hand, to try and help save the people of the United States. So that's what's schizophrenic about it. Uh, when you talk about dietary guidelines, the Chinese dietary guidelines for this year, 2016, recommended that the Chinese people cut their meat intake in half. So the U.S. dietary guidelines, they've not gone there. They're still protecting the dairy, the meat, and fish industry. Uh, I don't remember the exact question you have, but are they serving if it... Should they take into account environmental issues when they come out of them? Uh, the U.S. dietary uh, guidelines uh, should be ashamed of themselves from all levels, including the environmental point of view, uh, because they're 
they're serving agribusiness and not what I think they should serve, which is the citizens of the United States. How much resistance can we expect from the meat and dairy industries in the future? Oh, the, the meat and dairy industry, you know, I've been dealing with them for 40 years. And uh, th their goal is to make profits. Uh, that's, that's what they're going to fight for is to make profits. Uh, the dairy industry sends out letters from their dietitians to, uh, to school teachers and to parents of kids uh, claiming that the kids must have dairy. Uh, even though everything they say is uh, exactly opposite of the truth, uh, the dairy products are killing the kids, fattening and sickening the children. So they can do whatever they want. I mean, they have all the money. Uh, the battle, there's no battle because... There is a battle because we got the truth. We have truth and success, but they have the money. And the problem is, is that it's the money that speaks uh, in every part of the world. And so... Uh, it's it's a it's a pretty lopsided battle because they have the money and until uh, well I, I do think there's hope because of communication uh, there are all these micro devices people have telephones and computers and so on and as a result uh, the liars cheaters and polluters of this planet are having a hard time hiding. Your son, Dr. Craig McDougall, said, our only hope is Kaiser. What's your take on that? Well, Kaiser's a good, a good hope. I, I've, I've believed in Kaiser Permanent Medical System because they have a motivation of money to make them do the right thing, to make them stop doing unnecessary cardiac tests, cancer screening tests, excessive diabetes. And they have the reason to do it because they'll have uh, patients who are not mistreated and overtreated. Kaiser Permanente, and they have taken steps in this direction, has a motivation to keep their members healthy by having them eat well. You know, they've addressed some of the other issues. But the, but the food part, they're addressing more progressively than anybody else I know, but not fast enough because they're a big organization of doctors who are trained like all doctors, who fear being criticized by colleagues, and worse yet, being fear, fear being sued by attorneys. So Kaiser has a long way to go before they can step up and do the job they need to do. But they are a great hope. The United Kingdom is a great hope, too. You have the National Health Service. There should be great motivation for the people in, uh, in Britain to, to force their force, to provide the knowledge to uh, the residents of the United Kingdom on why they're sick and how to get well. I don't know what's missing over there in the United Kingdom. But I'm certain it wouldn't be hard to find. Uh, yeah, it's just the money. Don't take it personal. Nobody's out to get you. So the main, you're saying the main reason doctors don't recommend a plant-based diet is due to financial reasons. The main reason doctors don't recommend a plant-based diet is financial reasons. But but you're going back deeply into the problem. Uh, That's the root cause. Because. It seems. If it was financially rewarding to know about proper nutrition, doctors would do it. But the problem is, is that the doctors who sincerely go into medical practices, various kinds, want to help people. They go to medical school and spend a half a million dollars to get educated. However, they don't get the right kind of education in terms of diet uh, because medicals don't teach it. Medical schools teach about drugs and about surgeries 
And what they do is they prepare their students in the United States to pass the medical boards and to get involved in a lucrative uh, uh, trade. These are trades. If they weren't lucrative uh, or they got money for teaching people to prevent heart disease with potatoes and corn, then everything would change. So when you look at the problem, you must look at the root cause, and that's been talked about for thousands of years, you know, the root cause of problems, the root of evil is money. And then it just kind of spreads through legislation and education, and you basically don't stand a chance. Can you just give us a sense of how much backlash and hate you've got? I have been doing this for 40 years, and the primary response to me has been to ignore me, to not give me the stage. I have received no hate, no lashback, no criticism, no lawsuits, no uh, claims against my medical practice or license, nothing, never, ever, from the dairy industry, the meat industry, the mammography, nobody. Uh, It's because to give me a platform would be in their worst interest, or to give any doctor who's teaching the truth a platform, not only just because they'd lose, because it would bring attention to the fact that meat and dairy are killing people, and heart surgery for chronic or coronary disease doesn't work, and all these cancer therapies, when I say all, I'm generalizing, really generalizing, but most of the cancer therapy for breast, colon, and prostate cancer does little or no good and great harm to people. So in answer to your question, in four decades of speaking out as loudly as I can, the only response I've gotten is silence. And it's been very effective, extremely effective dealing with my comments. Can you just talk briefly about the progress in this movement? Uh, you know, I, 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 I get up every morning and I look at Mary, my wife, partner for 45 years, and I say, what are we going to do today to change the world? we got to figure out something today. And she just kind of laughs at me because I say that every day. Because I couldn't get up every day and be pessimistic. Uh, it, it would just be too hard to continue. So I'm optimistic. and I told you why, because of communication. Uh, it's hard to hide the truth, but it, business can do it. Uh, what, what, is, what is, I think the greatest hope for us is... Uh, planetary destruction, global warming. Because Mother Nature doesn't care, doesn't really care whether you make a good living or not. She's going to respond and is responding to what we're doing to the planet, particularly with the great amount of livestock production and consumption. So our greatest hope, I don't believe, lies in getting people healthier. I don't believe it lies in stopping the cruelty to animals. I believe it lies in the inevitable fact that our planet is burning in hell. And the one change that we can make is to change the food. Uh, So, unfortunately, that's an end-of-the-road step, and I don't know whether it can be accomplished in time. Lastly, um, I just want to end by talking about your health. How is your health? I heard you had a health scare in your 20s. I, I hope to stay in the game for another 10 years. But, you know, even though I eat well, you know, Dr. McDougall will someday die. I think uh, I enjoy what I do. I think I'm still effective at what I do. And uh, so if I get another 10 years to be in part of this movement, I think that's great. But there are many other young people because it's it's not my generation anymore. You know, my generation is uh, had their time. It's my children and my grandchildren. It's 
those generations that have to step up to the plate and take the communication that I've tried to offer and other doctors and dietitians and just plain ordinary people. Uh, these people, the next and the next generation, must stand up and take the message, you know, get, keep the ball rolling and do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Any any last advice to people like me and also just medical doctors, like you said, that are going to yeah. be leading the charge? Yeah, I, I, my, my most important advice to your listeners is this. Whatever talent you have, you know, your personal appearance, your education as a teacher, a doctor, a dietitian, your ability to speak, uh, whatever talent you have, you must bring it forward now and stand strongly uh, for the principles uh, of, of good nutrition. It's your obligation. I mean, just, just by looking good, as we talked about the vegans, or by being uh, a well-informed person and getting in people's face. Whatever you have to do, do it. Don't hesitate. You know, as we've discussed, we have the truth and success on our side. All they have is the money. Thank you so, so much for watching everybody. Um, thank you especially to Dr. John McDougall for doing the interview and to VegSource for putting on the, the amazing event. I'll link their channels down below and feel free to check out my other interviews. And lastly, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe and share. I'll see you soon. Bye.